snap its losing streak at long last, but the team's winless run still remains. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Miami Total Football Radio, a.k.a. Miami Total Football Radio. I am half of your co-hosting team. My name is Franco Panizo, and joining me once again after a lengthy break... We filled his place with a few guest hosts, which we thank for coming on, but he is back in the house, just like David Beckham was back in the house for Inter Miami over the weekend, and his name is Steve El Primo Brenner. Steve, how are you doing? Welcome back to your house. Thank you. It's been it's been a while. It's been, I, I mean, I have been away, and then, um, yeah, I've just... Um... Yeah, I've been away. That, that was it, really. Nothing was, I've been in prison or anything like that. <laughs> uh, went, to, went to New York for a bit and then um, came back mentally jaded and um, tired after England's near miss in the in the Euros. And now um, a little bit of MLS, taking a break from the Premier League, a nice bit of Olympics just to sort of ease me back into the European season. But of course, we don't stop in MLS. And we were both there on Sunday night. And it's actually it was actually a little bit enjoyable, I thought. Well, it was enjoyable because you were back in the house, and so was David Beckham. Please tell me that that's just a coincidence. You come back on the pod the same few days after David Beckham also returned stateside to watch Inter Miami because we know where the nickname comes from. So please tell us it's just a coincidence. It is wild. It is a crazy coincidence that I just happened to be at the ground <laughs> at a stadium where a man who owns the st- who owns the club ha- also happened to be there. It's, it's, it's amazing coincidence, but it is. Hey, I remember your return on the pod. Your return on the pod. Oh, you oh. know, David Beckham goes back to the stadium. You come back on the pod. Inter Miami gets his famous Englishman back. Miami Total Football Radio gets its famous Englishman back. You know, coincidence. Exactly. Now all we need is Phil Neville to return to winning ways, and we'll have the we'll have the hat trick. Well, you know what else is back, Steve? Papa John's is back. Inter Miami fans that have long been waiting for that Papa John's discount that they get when Inter Miami ties or wins, they're able to do so uh, as of well on Monday because that's when the the discount is available. So I got a few funny tweets. One said, "We want Papa John's," and then another one with a more Spanish accent. Or written in a way that comes off with the Spanish accent, say we want papayon. Hilarious, hilarious stuff. So I know some people are definitely taking advantage of that. Are you taking advantage of that? I don't. I think you don't. You don't eat. You don't Is eat it, cheese, right? Uh, well, we, I did have a little bit of cheese the other night. We had that the delicious sub that was delivered <laughs> to us. But is this podcast? being brought to you in association with Papa John's? <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Not, not, not yet. I haven't not heard. Yet. I haven't heard from, from Mr. John himself. But John. No. <laughs> no, no, nothing of the like. I just think it's I think it's funny, you know, a little bit of banter with the fans who have been like clamoring in the midst of the losing streak saying, we want Papa John's. Papa John's is making a, a killing off this deal with Inter-Miami because they never have to give up the pizzas at half price. Just a bit of banter there. But we do have a lot to talk about because... Inter-Miami's most recent game over the weekend was a 1-1 to draw against the Philadelphia Union. We'll touch on that. We'll also touch on the upcoming game against CF Montreal. And of course, at the end, do the Q&A session in which we'll answer all of you listeners' questions that you have for us. So, Steve, there's plenty to talk about, dissect, and analyze. So, let's get to it. All right, Primo, so it was a 1-1 to draw at home for Inter Miami. It stops the losing streak at six games, but the winless run moves on to seven straight matches. Now, this was the lineup that Inter Miami went with in this game. It had Nick Marsman in goal, Nicolas Figal at right center back, Ryan Shawcross at right center back, Leandro Gonzalez Pires at left center back, 
Kieran Gibbs getting his first start in just his second appearance at left back. The first line of the midfield was Gregory as the new insert Miami captain. Victor Ulloa next to him. The second line of the midfield was Lewis Morgan on the right. Federico Higuain back in the lineup at the 10 for the absent Rodolfo Pizarro. Robbie Robinson on the left wing. And up top was Gonzalo Higuain as your target striker. Steve, Inter-Miami takes a lead in this one in the 71st minute. A goal from Robbie Robinson. And it looked like Inter-Miami was on its way to three points again to taste victory once again. But in the 85th minute, Kasper Shabilko puts the ball into the back of the net. Barely, but he puts the ball into the back of the net. Well, I don't actually... I'm going to correct myself because the ball doesn't even touch the back of the net. But it does cross the goal line. Either way, it's a goal, an equalizer. And Philadelphia Union and Inter-Miami have to split the points, share the spoils... Intermind gets left a little bit frustrated with that. Before we touch on the game, as I just mentioned, Gregory was named captain. Steve, I want to get your thoughts on that, but let's hear this quote from Phil Neville as to why he made the Brazilian the new captain. Because if you go back to the start of the, of the year, Phil Neville kind of unorthodoxly went with four captains. He made Gonzalo Higuain, Blaise Matuidi, Leandro Gonzalez Pires, and Victor Ulloa the four captains. They rotated the captain's armband on a game-to-game basis, but that is no longer the case. Gregory is the new permanent inter-Miami captain, and here's why. Yeah, I've got to say, I think uh, I take responsibility in terms of the four captaincy model. I told the players the other day, I don't think it was working. I think it created a little bit of uncertainty in terms of who was leading. Uh, and, And I said that Gregory now will be the captain. I thought he captained the side fantastic tonight. Uh, and, and that's that's me that taking responsibility for the decisions I made at the start of the season. And it's no slant on the players that we've uh, we had, but I just feel as if uh, with the qualities that Gregory's got now, uh, I think he's a perfect captain for the next uh, three, four, five years at this football club. Gregory is an extension of me, extension of me on the field. The way that I want our football team to play is an extension of the values that I want this football club to have. His passion, his quality. His never see die attitude, the way he speaks to people, his commitment to wanting everybody to do well. I think I think that's what Gregory brings to this football club. And from day one, he's, he's been outstanding. Primo, what are your thoughts on the captaincy change? What are your thoughts on Gregory getting it? What are your thoughts on Phil Neville making this adjustment at this time, obviously following the Miami massacre on Commercial Boulevard that was the 5-0 loss to the New England Revolution last Wednesday? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, he clearly wasn't happy, was he, with with the, with the squad? I think he's probably looked at guys like, um, you know, Iguain and, and Matuidi and, and thinking that they haven't really, they haven't really done it for the team, have they? In the past few weeks, they've kind of gone missing. They haven't really, I mean, they are captaincy material, I guess, just because they're the, the you know, they're supposed to be the, the better players of the of the team, but they haven't been performing. And he's clearly in love with with Greg Ore. I mean, he was calling him a dream last night, didn't he? Um, um, so he's clearly seen something in him in training. Uh, he's, interestingly, he said that his you know his English is, is improved, although he didn't. He spoke in Portuguese, um, you know, in, in the press conference. So I mean, look, he, he tried the full captains thing. It was a little bit different. It probably didn't work just because he wasn't getting what he wanted out of those players. And you know, and then now he's he's changed tact and he's he's actually given someone the, the, the gig full time. And he's probably someone that wouldn't let him down. In the way that perhaps Higuain certainly has done with his fitness problems, and Matuidi, you know, just hasn't really been on it. I guess Gonzalez Perez probably feels a little bit hard done by, but 
no one was particularly playing well. If, if anything, I guess you could say that Gregorio is the one player that's really kind of just has been been a solid performer. We don't see everything that goes on behind the scenes, but if you read between the lines, then clearly, you know, he's he's you know he's 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 the apple of Phil Neville's eye right now, and that's uh, I guess that's a a good thing for Phil Neville anyway. That knows he can potentially rely on on this guy to be a leader and leader what they really need. I love the decision. I love that Gregory has been named the captain because I think he does exemplify from what I've seen, from what I've heard, from what we've been able to interact, or the few times we've been able to interact, excuse me, with him. I think he's got all the makings to be a a long-term captain for this team, something that Phil Neville had mentioned as well in last night's press conference, and and, excuse me, Sunday night's press conference. Because Gregory is not only someone that leads by example with his performances on the field. Everything I've heard is that he's a humble guy in the locker room, a humble guy uh, in training, but that he also you know, demands and pushes for better performances. And you can see that with his play. You can see that with his play last night. I thought he was the best performer for Inter-Miami over the course of the 90 minutes. He did have a slight, not a slight, obviously it's, it's a costly mistake in that he doesn't follow... Quinn Sullivan on the on the cross that comes in and ends up at the foot of Casper Sabilko for the Philadelphia Union's equalizer. He loses concentration, a lapse in concentration just for a brief moment, and it does prove costly. But aside from that, Gregory for me was the best player. He influenced the game, looked for the ball, was running all over the place, breaking things up, making his presence felt, connecting with quick and accurate passes, and he was a Brazilian machine for me in that middle of the park. You know, I think it was pretty fitting that he was wearing the Inter-Miami camo training top, the new camo training top, during his post-game press conference after the match in which he was captain for the first time because he was an absolute soldier on that field. Uh, a, a, a complete, complete pit bull um, and definitely something we're probably going to see more of from him because he said he, he likes that responsibility, he was happy to take that responsibility, and he wants to repay the faith that Phil Neville has shown in him because... As Gregory noted, there's a lot of big names, big personalities in that locker room, and to be given that that responsibility is, is very, very rewarding for him or something he, he's going to really cherish and, and try to make the most of. So, love the decision, um, and I think it will benefit Inter-Miami to have one captain as opposed to four, because as Phil Neville had mentioned, probably created some confusion or lack of clear understanding as to who's supposed to lead the team on the field who are they supposed to rally around who's galvanizing the troops another uh, military reference here after sunday's military appreciation night Um, who's supposed to galvanize the troops in in tough moments in moments where you're facing adversity and before maybe we didn't see enough of that especially not in that wednesday display that dreadful display on wednesday but i think now with gregory especially once he gets more comfortable learning english um, I know you mentioned he didn't do the press conference with us in English. I, I imagine that's because he doesn't feel that comfortable yet in a you know professional interview setting. But I, from what we've heard, from what Phil has said on different occasions, Gregory speaking English in training and talking to his teammates in that way. So definitely a good move for Inter-Miami, I think. Now, as for the game... What was your biggest takeaway from this match? What is, you know, after the 90 minutes, we'll, we'll touch on a bunch of different things from this game, but what was the biggest takeaway from this game for you? Um, that they were pretty solid. I, I always think that they, they do look susceptible at the back. I know Shawcross and Gonzalez Perez did play pretty well. Kieran Gibbs looked look 
looked okay. Figal was 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 decent. First time I've seen Nick Marsman. I don't know if he should have done better for the for the goal, but he just kind of looked a little bit more solid. His distribution was was good. Um and they, yeah, they were just they seemed to be more of a unit. Everyone seems to be work, working together. They had a few few different chances. They didn't particularly look like scoring, did they? A few half chances, but then Philadelphia didn't really look like scoring. I don't really remember Marsman making too many said that's a good openings, but no real sort of clear clear cut chances. So I think it was it was just much better. I don't I don't think a, a draw was an unfair result, you know, and all things considered. I think if Inter Miami would have won, I don't think Philadelphia would have complained too much. I think if Inter Miami wouldn't have got anything from the game, I think it would have been pretty disastrous. So Definitely better, you know, like Phil Neville said after the game, it's building blocks. This is a first step, something to build on, foundations, all that, all that, all that kind of jazz. Um, they did okay, you know, it wasn't edge of us, we weren't on the edge of our seats, were we? But they, you know, they were just elements of, of them just maybe coming together a bit more than they have done in the last few weeks. But Lewis Morgan looked kind of lively uh, than, he, than he has done in recent weeks, certainly sort of looked like the sort of player he was last season. So, it was a start, I think. It just to, just to build confidence. I think if they would have lost again, it would have been uh, wouldn't have been great on many different counts. But um, yeah, you know, Beckham was there as well, so that was important. They put on a performance. You know, that potentially may have inspired them a little bit. Who knows? Um, I just felt they just looked a bit more solid, don't you think? I agree with most of what you just said. That they did play better. That they built out from the back to the front by and large. They avoided playing that type of direct route one type of soccer that we had seen them play for much or on many occasions during the course of this season it looked a lot better from a soccer playing standpoint and for me this the biggest takeaway was the effort that was there because when you compare it to what we saw last Wednesday against the revolution I mean the contrast is stark because this one they look like more cohesive unit they look like more of a team that fought for one another and played for one another and covered for one another uh you know they I thought they defended pretty well I know you you had you have your your worries about the defense, but I thought they defended pretty no, well. Did, yeah. asi- aside from obviously the last maybe five five minutes and change of the game, where where the goal comes in, and then a couple of other chances for Philadelphia. That to me is the biggest the biggest takeaway from this one. The effort was much improved, even if you look at Gonzalo Higuain on the defensive side. He made two two that come to my head, maybe three, but definitely two plays where he tracks back on one in, in the in the first half where he tracks back deep into inter miami's defensive half or maybe not deep but goes into inter miami's defensive half to try to help put pressure on on the philadelphia uh, union player which was kai wagner and inter miami wins the ball and i remember nicolas Vigal applauding gonzalo Wayne's effort he was pretty tired after that didn't make uh you know a jog forward or didn't run forward it looked like he was pretty winded after that but the effort was there. The effort was there, right? And I know you chuckled. He and, was tired. Uh, I mean, he could barely move after and, that. And that was only the 35th minute. That was only in the 35th minute. I think, look, I think that raises questions, and we can talk about that a little bit later on in the pod. I think that really raises questions as to where his fitness is at this point in his career because it, uh, it's clearly not at a great level, clearly. Um, but we can talk about that a little bit later on. But look, just just the fact that he even put in that effort, to me, is, is a big positive sign because we haven't seen much of that from him you know he hasn't put in that work now maybe it's because he gets tired easily or or whatnot but the fact that he's willing to do that and put in that that work that's not glamorous for a striker I think that that is a step in the right direction I wonder what Phil Neville said to him or what Phil Neville did to to get this this reaction out of him because that was 
You know, you can say what you want about the jogging afterwards, but the fact that he even made that run backwards is, is, a, is a positive. That's my biggest takeaway. Um, obviously, the game doesn't, doesn't end all that well for Inter-Miami. They, they're so close to pulling out the victory, and they end up giving up a goal. Steve, for you, why weren't they able to hold on? What are the reasons that Inter-Miami could not see this one through and get back on the winning ways? Uh, lack of confidence, maybe. Uh, Philadelphia, you know, came. They weren't Philadelphia weren't really out of it, were they? You know, they didn't really. Montero was kind of pulling the strings a little bit, but they were kind of always in it. You felt like they were get, get, having quite a bit of success down the down the flanks. Um, did the goal come from the from the on the on the left hand side or the right hand side? No, it came down the right hand side, didn't it? Um, Inter Miami's right. The Philadelphia's left. Yes, yes. Um, I just, yeah, just a lack of confidence to, to see it out. I, I guess I just, I, I did always feel that when Philadelphia kept going forward, that eventually they were, they were going to score, and it was a bit of a soft goal. Um, they seemed very susceptible with crosses. You know, whenever the time the ball goes into the box, it was a few times early on the ball was going over their heads, and they weren't dealing with it right. But then they kind of settled down, and um, yeah, you know, it's just, it was just a shame they, they were unable to see it out. But I guess you've got to give a little bit of credit to the the opposition because they, they kept going and they're, they're not, they weren't a bad side, were they? So for me, there's two reasons why, two bigger reasons among you know the, the smaller ones that you can talk about for why they gave up that goal. And you're probably going to roll your eyes at one of them. But the first one for me, and this is on the team, is the inability to create more clear-cut scoring opportunities and to be more efficient with the chances it does have. Robbie Robinson, which we'll get to in a minute, he had a overall positive performance i think he was one of the better one of the better performers for inter miami but if you remember clearly he scores a goal but he also has two other good looks that he doesn't put away one in the first half where gonzalo higuain feeds him uh, pretty close obviously from a tight space near the goal but he, he isn't able to direct the ball into the back of the net he hits the side netting from from the right side again close to the goal then in the second half after after Inter-Miami takes the lead, after Robinson scores his goal, which comes off a very smart run from him and a great flick flick pass from Gonzalo Higuain. After that, there's another opportunity where Gonzalo Higuain finds himself down the left wing and he kind of hesitates to let players get into position and, and let the defense backtrack or retreat a little bit more. That opens up space for Robbie Robinson at the top of the box. He finds Robbie Robinson and Robbie Robinson could have made it 2-0. Could have put the game pretty much out of reach at that point. But he pulls the shot just wide. I think it hit, uh, I'm trying to think what, it was a bag or a water bottle that was next to the to the goal. He pulled it just wide. So for me, the inability to create clear-cut scoring chances and inability to put the ones that they do have away cost them in this one. Because if you if you are able to score a second one, that, that puts a pretty big challenge on the Union. That's a pretty big mountain to climb with that little bit of time left so and if you you know you also have to take into consideration that Matt even with the chances I just just talked about Matt Freese the Philadelphia Union's second or third string goalkeeper depending on how you look at their depth chart he wasn't asked to make too many incredible saves or big stops so like you had mentioned a draw probably on the balance of play is a fair result although Inter Miami felt that they should have come away with three points the second one and this is probably where you will roll your eyes is that Jim Curtin, Philadelphia Union's head coach, made adjustments, made tactical adjustments, made personnel changes, made some substitutions that influenced the game for the better for the Union, and Phil Neville's changes did not work out 
as well. He wasn't able to make his adjustments make an impact the way that Jim Curtin did. Because Jim Curtin changed the formation. The the equalizing goal comes off of Casper Chaboko's foot, but it comes off a play from Quinn Sullivan, who's a 17-year-old teenager that, that Jim Curtin inserted into the game to try to find the tying goal, and they do. Inter-Miami brought in Indiana Vasilev and Jay Chapman, and neither of them really got on the ball. Inter-Miami actually, after the substitutions were made, kind of ended up falling into a deep block and were looking to try to just defend. It explains why I think Indiana got five touches and Jay Chapman got four. It explains why they were so unable to to influence proceedings. I think that is part of why Inter-Miami also was not able to hold on to this one because Philadelphia had the ball and they, they eventually found the, the, the crack in the defense to, to score. So that that's just for me. Steve, before we switch gears to talk about a couple of individual performances, what do you think about that? Do you put some of that on Phil Neville? People have been asking for a couple of weeks now since in your absence what you have thought about the job he's been doing. I will not ask you about the overall job he's been doing right now, but I will ask you what you thought about those last 15 minutes. With the point that I just made, or my opinion that you know, the way that he managed those last 15 minutes or so. I don't know if... It, I, I would say maybe he was a little bit outcoached. I won't say he, he mismanaged it. I'd say he was a bit outcoached by Jim Curtin in that in those 15 minutes. I mean, Jay Chapman came on for Federico Higuain. So a forward, a forward player came off and a more defensive-minded player came on. You know, you can go two ways, I guess. You can either shut up shop and, and try and defend the lead or, you know, go for it. And it, I, he hasn't really got the options, I don't think, to change the game with, with sort of attacking players. And I think he was so probably nervous about, you know, defending the lead that, you know, he, he went for that and maybe that was the wrong call. But I mean, I guess the result says that, but in the heat of the moment, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult. What do you, what, what do you do? You know, you, uh, you stick or twist and he, he stuck and, and, it, and for the, in this particular time, it kind of didn't, it kind of didn't work. And yeah, their more offensive substitutions, you know, paid, paid dividends. But I, I just think it smacks generally of just a lack of confidence throughout the whole team that they were so desperate to hang on for a, a, a win at home that they, they kind of went a bit more defensive. Whereas if they were more on the front foot and, you know, had some decent results behind them, then they, you could have seen them maybe attacking and trying to get that second goal. So it's symptomatic of the position the club are in right now, I think. And look, you have to give credit to the Philadelphia Union as well because they're obviously down a goal. They're going to start pushing numbers forward and trying to find their way. I think it's remind me could have done a bit better job of trying to keep the ball as opposed to maybe falling so far deep and trying to defend the lead without the ball. I thought maybe having the ball would have been a bit better, but in the end they don't and they aren't able to hold on to the, to the lead. Steve quickly to just touch on a couple of individual performances, Robbie Robinson, what'd you think of his game in this one? He obviously scores the goal, doesn't convert on two other looks, decent looks that he had. So just how would you assess his overall performance in this one? He did okay. He did okay. I mean, he's, he's got some legs, isn't he? And he's young and he's, he's quite he's energetic. And I think that's that's what they need. I just when they attack, I just think there's just there's no pace, is there? There's no pace in the team. You got Iguain, sort of Gonzalo Iguain, just sort of you know toddling along. There's there's no there's no injection of any any pace that to try and get behind the the defense, the opposition defense, and you know try and strike a bit of fear into them. It's just um, it's very very sort of methodical and you know just go through the going through the motions. It's like a it's a slog. I think I wrote in my match report, and it felt like that. So at least he has a he's got a bit of an edge about him, and you know he he could try and stretch the defense a little bit. I think he, he did okay, and uh, you know took his goal you know quite quite nicely, and just gives them 
gives you know gives the opposition something else to think about really. So yeah, yeah, he did he did okay. Again, I thought he was one of the maybe top four or five players for Inter Miami in this one. I know he was voted the man of the match by the fans, but I I don't think he was the man of the match. I will repeat what I said earlier. I think Gregory was hands down the best player, even with his his hiccup there at the end. But as far as Robinson goes and his performance, I thought it was another performance that showed that that wing position, the left wing position, is probably what's best suited for him because he was a constant scoring threat, probably Inter Miami's biggest scoring threat on the night, even though he didn't finish as well as you would have liked. He was giving Philadelphia Union problems with his speed and his aggressiveness and willingness to go at defenders on the dribble. So I thought, and he and he put in some work defensively. So I thought he was he was pretty good in that in those regards. Again, needs to needs to finish better on his chances because that that can like it did in this case change the course of the game. Two zero up is a, obviously a better lead than one zero. Um, I also think he needs to develop a bit of a left foot. I think he relies far too much on his right, um, which makes him predictable it, it prevents him from whipping and crosses from the left flank when is when it's appropriate he cuts back often you know it, it's effective but teams will adjust to that the more they see it so look this was his second game back from the recurring hamstring injury so it's a step like the team a step in the right direction but but there's still another bar to reach and look he's still young he's 22 years old so there's, there's, plenty, there's plenty of he's time improving. for him to develop, and right, and this is a new position for him. So that there will be better games from Robbie Robinson, but this is definitely a good start. And look, this is what he said after the game about scoring after the repeated hamstring injuries at the start of this campaign. Yeah, I mean, it's felt great, honestly. Um, it's even better that I'm able to come off the field healthy. You know, I think that's so important. Um, just my rehab, doing everything right. You know, it's been a long journey to get to this. It's felt like it hasn't been that. I was away for maybe a couple months. But, yeah, I mean, I'm happy to be back, happy to be um, contributing to the team. And, yeah, I think we have good times ahead. Steve, we heard there from Robbie Robinson what it meant to him to score and to stay healthy. Let's quickly touch on his goal. Um, you know, it's a, it's a ball that initially starts from the back to the front. Breck Shea ends up finding Gonzalo Higuain in the center of the, the park in the middle of the field. He flicks it one time into space for Robbie Robinson to run onto, which Robbie Robinson had great awareness on the play because he sees that Gonzalo Higuain has pulled in a center back into a, a more advanced position. Further up the field, he, he recognizes the space, makes the run there. The ball's not doesn't go exactly to him, but he adjusts well, races in, and finishes. Maybe not the best save there from, from Matt Fries, but... Robbie Robinson gets his second goal of the season and first since week one. So what do you think of just that overall play? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a nice ball, wasn't it, from um, from Gonzalo Higuain, I think, over to Robbie Robinson. You know, when he gets on the ball, Higuain, younger Higuain, both of them, um, but especially Gonzalo, you can tell that he's just a, he's a class player. Um, he's got a lovely touch, good vision, good awareness. Um, he just he can't run, unfortunately. That, that's a problem. Um, but... It was a lovely, a lovely ball through, and he controlled it nicely. And yeah, and he managed to managed to squeeze it in. So that was, but they had a few openings like that, and they just never really, and just couldn't get it over the line. They just couldn't in that final third. They just, you know, their keeper didn't have too many other saves to make, did he? So uh, it was just, you know, that was a, it was a good time to score, and it was a nice team goal. Yeah, and Drive Pink Stadium erupted. It was it was the first goal that they've seen since Gonzalo Higuain's goal against Orlando City so it's been a few a couple of weeks at least since Inter Miami's been able to celebrate a goal so 
you know, it was good for, for the fans and for, in general, just for the supporters that were in attendance. Now, you touched on something that I think is very important to touch on before we wrap up this segment on this past weekend's game, and that's Gonzalo Higuain. We've touched on his lack of overall fitness, his maybe inability to run at certain moments or run for prolonged periods, but you've also touched on what he has done well, and that is something that needs to be acknowledged and recognized in addition to the flaws he has in his game at this point. Because, like you said, he had he did show class on this weekend when he had the ball at his feet and had to to move it, whether it be it with quick passes, whether it was trying to set up players. He had a couple of shots, not necessarily the best shots, but you can see the class when he has the ball at his feet and some time and space. Now, obviously, you can say that about any player you give time and space to, but obviously his quality, his class is a cut above or two cuts above almost anybody else on Inter Miami because, again, gets the assist, sets up Robbie Robinson on another play a few minutes later, also set up Robbie Robinson's first half look that Robbie Robinson can't turn on goal, and there was another play in the first half, and I'm, I'm blanking on what minute it was in, but uh, Gonzalo Higuain's in a deeper position, but he finds Robbie Robinson streaking down the left, and he hits a great ball in that, you know, if if Robbie Robinson had could manage his left foot posture better, Robbie Robinson takes that with his left and has a look on goal with either foot he wants. But because he's so right-footed, he cuts back on it. He controls it by cutting back, and he takes himself away from goal, and then obviously the defenders are now in a position to to cut off his angle towards towards the frame. So I thought Gonzalo Higuain showed good things in terms of passing, in terms of showing his class on the ball, his decision-making by and large. But physically, as we've said, he leaves a lot to be desired. So for you, is this a good or bad performance from Gonzalo Higuain? One, and two, knowing that his limitations, but knowing what he also can give you in the attack, do you continue to start him? It's a it's a difficult it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because he he's clearly the best player on the team. He's clearly having sort of some physical issues. But then you know, it's some, maybe he could be reinvented as a sort of deep lying midfielder. I, you know, I, I don't know. But because of their lack of options in attack, he has to play up front. I remember, you know, players naturally do get deeper and, and, and play deeper. You know, like someone like Rooney, for example. You know, ended up as a as a midfielder when he started as a, as a striker. Um, uh, they've got to try and utilize him some way because he's the best player. And you saw, as we mentioned, mentioned with the goal, it was just a love. It was a lovely assist. So, um, I mean, yeah. You mean like a, you mean like a ten? You mean like using him as a ten because they've tried? Yeah, to use... maybe because so, he's so good on the ball. He's so right, good on so... the ball. But then who's going to score? The, who's going to? Who's going to? Who? The, the, the amount of times last night I saw where they bro- they kept breaking and no one was in. No one was there because he couldn't. He couldn't join up with the with the attack because he was too slow. He was too slow. So Lewis Morgan, whoever it was, was was running you know, down the wing and there was no one in the box three or four times that happened. And that's, that's a, that's an issue. They need to have bodies in the, in the opposition area. If they're going to score a goal. Um, and you know, they just, they have those transitions. They're just too slow. He, he went, he's too slow. He can't get up there at the moment. Anyway, um, is he going to get faster? I, I don't, I don't think so. Um, so maybe they have to try and use it, utilize him in a different, in a different way. Maybe, um, maybe, yeah, more of a, as, a deep lying sort of playmaker. I, I'm not sure because they, because as I say on the ball, he's he's great. It's just he can't. He, he, they struggle to keep get him to keep up with play. So so they've used him as a ten at different points in this season, and I don't think it's really worked. 
because this is this is and I don't think it will work and this is the reason why I I say this because if you put him at the 10 that naturally means that someone has to be ahead of him right as a striker as a number 9 to try to get on the end of things to occupy those spaces in the final third as a striker does and that means that now you're asking Gonzalo Higuaín to have to put in some defensive work as a 10 and he's not going to do that. The striker is not going to drop back and do that because then you're practically putting Gonzalo back at the nine and the and the striker at at the ten. So I don't think it works. I think it takes away yet another player from the defensive side of things. It makes you weaker without the ball. So I don't think they can use him as the ten. Maybe as a false nine with Lewis Morgan and Robbie Robinson trying to crash into the box and and him trying to play make a little bit more as opposed to trying to get on to the end of things. But look, if you look at him from a statistical standpoint, he has five goals, and I believe now it's two assists. Yes, two assists this season. So he has had a hand in seven of Inter Miami's 10 goals this year. Statistically speaking, that's pretty That's pretty good, right? That's, that's pretty uh, a pretty good return. But because of the limitations he has physically and I think it's a question we need to we need to ask Phil Neville this week. Where does he stand with his fitness? You know, when they they have those bibs, they have the numbers, they they know what he's able to put out. Is he at the point in his career where he just doesn't have it physically, or is it a matter of maybe a little bit more desire? Because, like we said on that one play in the first half, that was pretty eye opening, where he tracks back. There was effort there, but then is him not is him jog, not jogging forward? Excuse me, a result of him just being tired or a result of him just not having the the desire or the or the or the effort to play both ways again I think it's a question to ask to ask Phil Neville because you know at this point it's going to be tough you have to keep him in the lineup if he provides this type of quality especially for a team that's struggling in the final third and in the attack I imagine but obviously it's 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 a a very difficult situation and we're gonna see how Phil Neville manages that Steve, do you have anything else you want to add there, or do we do? Are we going to end this segment and move on to the CF Montreal game? Yeah, no, I mean you're right. It is a problem that needs to be solved, but you know those initial problems with the fitness have you know kind of been addressed. I know they weren't particularly happy with with him for for many weeks, even after he'd been on this new sort of fitness regime or whatever. But um, you know, look, is he going to is he is he going to probably be there next season? Probably not. So I think they just got to try and try and utilize him the best way that they they can it just you know it hasn't worked out as fruitfully as they as, as they wanted it to but there's still a player in there that could be very very useful for them so I'm sure they're going to try and find a way to to get the best out of him if possible yeah I'm just very curious what the numbers say right right on their GPS trackers that they wear at training and, and they wear on in games I wonder what his numbers say I wonder if they say look he's hitting his absolute physical peak right now where he's at at this point in his in his career in his life I wonder if that's the case or if there's more if those numbers say there's more he can give and he's just not giving it because I'm starting to believe that this more or less is the most he can give you from a physical standpoint but you know I guess that's a question that we can ask Phil Neville this week Steve we've talked a bunch let's take a quick break we'll come back after this pause and start to preview this weekend's game Back at home for Inter Miami at Dry Pink Stadium against CF Montreal. It's baby steps. Uh, it's a foundation to start building from, uh, but it's just a start. Uh, we, we, we didn't get our just rewards, uh, but we, we we will do if we keep showing that kind of mentality. And uh, you know that's all I ask from them. 
and I'm massively proud. I think they've they've took they've took some uh, criticism. We've all took some criticism, rightly so. But I think tonight they deserve praise, and uh, that's what they got off me at the end. They got praise. I was proud of them, every single one of them. And uh, we've got to make sure that we've now stopped stopped the uh, stop the vacuum of negativity, and, and we now we've now got to look forward and and use this as a platform to go and build. Steve, looking ahead. Inter-Miami will face off against CF Montreal for the third time this year. CF Montreal beat Inter-Miami back on May 12th at DraftPink Stadium by a 2-0 score. That was the game that was played in the monsoon on the eve or the night before my birthday. You were there with me. Oh, who can forget? <laughs> forget that night. What a night that was. God. And, then, and then CF Montreal beat Inter-Miami at Red Bull Arena on July 3rd by a 1-2-0 score. This will be the third time they play each other. This one's at Drive Pink Stadium. What does Inter-Miami have to do? What are the keys to the game to being able to try to get another result, possibly, or better yet for them, a win? Yeah, more, I think just more, you know, I think they'll just drill it into them at the training ground this week, more more of the same, you know, to keep that solidity around about them to you know to keep it tight have the midfield working as they were again it's just this you know same same old problem isn't it it's just are they are they going to score are they going to score the goals i do think they had a, they had an, enough possession i think in the end i think it was 55 to 45 i think the other the other night maybe a little bit less but they they enjoyed a lot of possession it's just can they can they do enough of it on the um you know, enough of the ball when 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 they get it. So um, as he said, you know, there's, there's foundations, there's building blocks there, all that, all those kind of cliches. But he's, you know, he's right. It's just a bit of confidence to, to build on. Um, they've just got to try and score. And if when they get one, they get then then get two. And I think then you'll see the confidence, you know, coming back. Montreal coming off the back of um, you know, a couple of a couple of defeats. They had a wild five four against Cincinnati th- three games ago. Uh, so they're they're a little bit up and down. It's, it's MLS, isn't it? Every, every team is kind of up and down and, and pretty much the same. There's no, you know, there's maybe a top two or three that are sort of running away with it, but everything else is, you know, it's quite balanced. So it's not as if you're, you're playing against a team that are going to absolutely destroy you. It's, it's They've got a chance in each game, haven't they? So CF Montreal, like you said, has been, you know, up and down this season, inconsistent. They have a 6-4-5 and five record. They've lost their last two after winning their previous two, including, like you just mentioned, that 5-4 to four win, that thrilling and exciting 5-4 to four win against FC Cincinnati. Or actually, they sorry, they won three games prior to this two-game losing streak that they're on. But look, for me, this is going to really put the Inter-Miami performance that we saw this past weekend and the momentum they have started to build to the test. Because CF Montreal has had success this year pressing Inter-Miami. And Inter-Miami did do a good job or a better job this weekend of trying to build out of the back and trying to knit together passing sequences. I thought Federico Higuain was really good in that regard, helping them move the ball quickly in the center of the park. They avoided playing long ball because of that, and it looked better. But Montreal is going to be, I think, a more athletic team and a team that's going to be more hell-bent on pressing Inter-Miami. And are they going to be able to play through some high press? Are they going to be able to knock the ball around as well as they did and string together passing sequences? Or are we going to see them revert back to the long balls or, or more direct play? I'm curious to see how Phil Neville approaches it. Look, I, I think that this this game 
maybe gives you some confidence in trying to build out, but I don't think that should be the game plan for minute one to minute 90. I think you need to pick and choose your spots. I think the key to the game is being smart about how you manage this match because at times you're going to have to go direct, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because Nick Marsman has shown in these two games that he can deliver a pretty pinpoint ball when he, when he distributes long. So I think they need to manage their moments of when to build out and when to play long. And obviously, again, Bears repeating, they need to be efficient with the chances they get because Inter-Miami is not a team that creates a whole lot of clear-cut scoring opportunities. So when you get one, you've got to make the most of it. Uh, that's going to be key for me for Inter-Miami this weekend. Steve, what is your lineup prediction for the weekend? Do you think we see the exact same group? Do you think he changes things, Phil Neville changes things? Given the the overall team matchups, what do you think happens here in terms of the starting the starting group? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think he's going to make he's not not going to make too many changes. I, w- I wouldn't have thought. I don't I don't think he I don't don't think he should. I think he would have been pretty pleased with defence. He certainly was enamoured with Gregore and what they did in in midfield. Um, it's just yeah, trying to get more out of Iguain. I, I liked um, the two Iguains together. I think mm-hmm. Federico is a nice little player, nice touches. He just you know he operates just around, just buzzes around, and just keeps 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 it ticking over. Links the play nicely. Um, I, I think he he'll be loath to make too many changes. I wouldn't have thought. So one change that I think should be considered, and that I think again it depends on the game plan that that Phil Neville devises or comes up with is Ryan Shawcross coming out, Kelvin Leardem going in. That would obviously not be a like-for-like change. That would push Nicolas Figal from right back to center back and Kelvin Leardem out on the right as the, the fullback out there on that wing. Because if, if Phil Neville wants to build out, I don't think you could have Ryan Shawcross on the field. I know that in this game, it, it, didn't, you know, it didn't come back to cost them, but I think if you have him on the field and you're trying to build out, I think it can come back to bite you in the, in the rear end against a team like CF Montreal. If you look at the numbers, if you just look at a clear statistical point, Ryan Shawcross had the fewest touches of any Inter-Miami starter this past weekend, and he finished with 23 touches, which the next fewest in terms of an Inter-Miami starter was Nick Marsman with 31. If you're talking about a field player, it was Gonzalo Higuain with 40. So Ryan Shawcross saw very little of the ball this past weekend, obviously, when they're trying to build out, they're not going to play through him or to him very much because he he's not a player that's very technical or that likes having the ball at his feet or doesn't feel that comfortable having the ball at his feet. So I, if they want to build out, if they want to do a little bit more of what we saw this weekend, I think you put in Nicolas Figal for, for uh, excuse me, you, you slide Nicolas Figal in and put Kelvin Leardam out on the right. However, I don't think we'll see that. I think we'll see the exact same starting lineup and we'll see how how that does. I think Phil Neville liked what he saw. He talked well about how he saw the center back pairing between Gonzalez Pires and and Shawcross, as well as the the first line of the midfield with Gregory and Victor Ulloa. I thought Victor Ulloa had a pretty professional performance. Not doesn't wow you with anything, but he does his job. You know, stays disciplined defensively, breaks things up, covers ground, and and moves the ball pretty effectively. At least he did in this one. So I think the lineup stays as is. Primo, what is your prediction for this weekend? Does Inter-Miami break this funk? Do they get back to winning ways? Or are we going to be talking about an eighth game without a victory? 
Well, you know, can't say he hasn't been warned. I mean, you know, obviously they played played Montreal twice. The game at Red Bull Arena was pretty close, wasn't it? From what I remember, all the all the games seem to sort of roll into one. They're all, all the same, aren't they? Do well for twenty minutes and then just kind of taper away and lose. But um, I think hopefully they'll take into Miami will take a little bit of confidence from from Sunday night and and yeah. It's just grind it out. That's all they can do right now, isn't it? Just keep on grinding it out. And the way the league is, get a couple of decent results, and all of a sudden it, it, it kinds of changes. The whole dynamic changes. So um, you're never entirely confident. You don't really know what you're going to get from them. But I think they've shown they've shown on Sunday that they can. You know, they they have got the ability to to win win games. And clearly, they didn't win that game on Sunday. But you know, <laughs> on another day they could. On another day they, they could have done though, couldn't they? You wouldn't have begrudged them if they would have won. They just just need to try and just find, take advantage of the possession because they enjoy the possession, and they do. You know, they they keep the ball relative, quite nicely, but you know they just got to do more of it in that final third. So your prediction is um, an edgy one nil win for uh, for Inter Miami. Inter Miami, yeah, for Figal seventy two minutes. <laughs> got really specific there. Okay, I will say. Because I think you missed this over the last couple of weeks. You know, I was asked during one Q&A session when I thought Inter-Miami would snap this winless run. And I predicted then that it would be this game against CF Montreal. I will stick with that. I will not change my tune. I think Inter-Miami pulls it out. I will say 2-1 to victory. I think Inter-Miami will find a way. I think they're due to get a lucky bounce or uh, maybe a controversial call. And that combined with the improved effort that we saw this weekend, I think that has the recipe to maybe get them back to winning ways, at least on in this one. Again, I don't necessarily think that Inter-Miami is going to start piecing together wins consecutively, even with how they played on the weekend, but I think it will give them chances to win, and I think they'll be able to, like you said, maybe sneak one out some way, shape, or form. Maybe they finally get another set-piece goal. They still haven't scored off of a corner kick this year. Maybe they, they finally find a way. They finally break through in that manner. So I say 2-1 to one, Inter Miami. Another loss, and you know the, 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 the ship is going to be sinking even more, and the wind's going to be taken out of the sails, and there's going to be, again, questions about the progress they made and then regressing in that way. So... For Inter Miami's sake, they need a win. I I think they get it two to one victory for the South Florida side. Steve, let's take another quick break. We'll come back for our Q and A session and our final thoughts after this. Okay, primo, it's Q&A time. Before we officially start this week's questions, I have to ask you this question because I was asked this after the New England game. I had a tweet directed at me that was also meant for you, and it was about the job Phil Neville is doing. And, and the question was more along the lines of, ask Primo now what he thinks about Phil Neville and whether he should still be in charge of this team. Steve, the floor is yours. I've been thinking about this and I've been gearing myself up for this barrage of abuse that I'm going to receive. <laughs> if you go through the Miami football uh, radio 
library, you will hear me talking about Diego Alonso around this time last year. And when we were talking about should he make changes, I said at the time, give him a season. You have to give him a season to see it. And, and, and they did, and they sacked him, and that's fine. I think you've just got to give people time. I, just, I, don't, I don't think he, hadn't, he hasn't had enough time. Yes, it hasn't been great. There's been a lot of teething problems. You had the whole Matweedy thing and, you know, the, the fine and then the, the team were doing horrible and, and every, everything like that. But, you know, they they have got the nucleus of not a bad squad. You can kind of see what he's trying to do. I just I just think you just judge him at the end of the season. I think he will, if you had Phil Neville on here now, he'd hold his hands up and say, yeah, we haven't been good enough collectively, um, but we strive to get better and all this sort of stuff. And, um, you know, I just think give him a... Let's let's see where we are this time next next year or at the end of the season. I think only then could he truly be judged. And um, you know, if he was to lose his job after after failing to make the playoffs and in after you know his first season, then I guess you know he'd probably hold his hand up and say, "Fine, fair enough." I don't think he would hold his hand up now and say, "Yes, I deserve to go after twelve games." He won't. I, I don't think he should either. I mean, well, he's not going to say Period. that. But he's not going to yep. say that. But look, wh- all right, what what have you thought about the job he's done, though? Where do you think he's done well? Where do you think he hasn't done well? Like, what do you think about the, these first? Listen, we both predicted before the season started where we thought Inter Miami would finish. Now, obviously, the season's not done. But right now, they are dead last in the league, in 13th place in the Eastern Conference, well short of the playoff line. So clearly, this is not just on players. I know you, you have your criticism about the roster and the players on it. But clearly, this is not just a, a a player issue. No, no, I don't think anyone has. No one's really covered themselves in a in a lot of glory so so far. I think he's tried to shake things up, isn't he? You know, dropping Iguain. He's had his his fallouts with Pizarro. You know, between he's been out in and out of this in and out of the team. Um, they've had a couple of bad injuries. You know, Rob Robertson was was out for a long time, wasn't he? Um, yeah, but he 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 holds his hands up regularly and says, you know, we all have to do better, and that includes him. Remember, this is a a, a guy that has never really managed a, a club level before, had a lot of coaching experience, but this is his first managerial job in a completely different league with different parameters on on how you operate and 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 how you operate in the transfer market and the travelling and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it's just it's early days it hasn't been great so far I don't think it's been a complete disaster there are sort of signs of recovery little shooting uh, green shoots of recovery popping up here and there but it's it's not good enough I do think that they you know they see him as a kind of the profile of guy that they want to be leading the club I think that the alliance with Beckham is very very important for him you know, he made a point a couple of times last night in the press conference about how impressed he's been with the, the support he's had from the the ownership. And yeah, of course, Beckham's his friend, but there are other people on the ownership group as well. Um, so they clearly haven't, you know, been too disparaging towards him. Um, yeah, just, yeah, it hasn't been amazing. No, and it, it, he's made mistakes for sure. Um, you know, it, did he handle... Iguain correctly or Pizarro or, or those kind of guys. I think he probably did. You may may not think so. And behind the scenes, you know, other players may look at it and think that he he he's he made a mess of it. I, I've got no no idea, but um, I, I just think I think judge him at the end of the season. Don't judge him now. See, so the the issue I would have just and, I, and we'll quickly switch gears after this, but the the issue I would have with giving him just a year when the results are not going trending in a good direction is that look the fans will not wait till the end of the season. The, the fans, when season ticket renewal comes at in you know in a couple in a few weeks or in a few months, 
they're not going to say, well, hey, you know, let's give Phil Novelton a year. And no, they're going to say, hey, I'm spending X thousand dollars on season tickets plus parking, plus concessions, plus, you know, the whole the whole money I spent during the day. And I'm not seeing a good product out there. I'm not seeing my money's worth out there. So why should I continue to spend money on something that I'm not getting full value out of? So that's where you need to make real decisions. And obviously you don't want to be changing managers on a consistent basis, but if this doesn't turn around soon, Inter Miami has to really, really, really assess things. And I know like you, I have said, I don't see him getting let go, but if this run continues much longer without victories, you really need to assess things, whether you're David Beckham, Jorge Mas, Chris Henderson, because you risk, you grow the risk of having a fan base that becomes more disinterested in South Florida. And look, I think this past weekend's game against the Philadelphia Union, I think it's been the lowest attended game that I've seen in, in, a, in, a, in a few weeks, in a few months maybe, because it was maybe... Half- it was a good atmosphere. It was a good atmosphere. There's always a good atmosphere the in the stadium. The, no, no, there's always a good atmosphere. The team, 100%. So, but there's always know, good atmosphere. There's always a good atmosphere in the stadium because of the way the sound stays in and, and whatnot. And the, fa- and the supporters groups are always are always lively. But so it's the just, acoustics. It's just the, it's the acoustics which, keep, which are keeping him in the job. Is that what you're saying? No, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying they risk losing some of the fan base and some of the interest and some of the money that comes in if they don't turn this around soon. I, th- I, I personally think whoever they would bring in right now would have a real problem trying to sort out the wreckage that was left uh, by the previous incumbent. So, you know, I, I don't know. Bring, who are you going to bring in? Mourinho or, or Guardiola? Would they would they be able to do it? You know, it's, just, it's, it's very difficult when you can't make wholesale changes to the squad. I know that you can't do that here. I know that's the game, but... That makes the head coach even more important. That makes the coach even more important. Look, someone that I think is a possibility, a candidate that just comes to mind would be Gonzalo Pineda, who's an assistant at at the Seattle Sounders, someone that Chris Henderson's very familiar with. If if you wanted to get someone in-house right away, right now, you know, or or this season, possible you could get him. Um, But that's just me throwing a name out there. Inter Miami's obviously gone for, for bigger... Um, names that are that are from overseas, not not necessarily MLS based coaches. At yeah. least through these first two hires, it's going to be a backwards. If they make a change now, and <clears throat> they won't. It will be. A, I think it'll be a backwards step, and it'll just set them back even more. And I, I just think it's just you know you're going to lose. You're going to lose time. I think you, they stick with him. They can see what he's trying to do. You know, um, and he's obviously you know he's got the support of the ownership group, which is crucial. Let's let's see where they are in a month. But I just. I just think you've got to give them, give them a season. Considering most of the players weren't even his players, were they? And they have brought, they have made changes. They are bringing players in slowly but surely. Um, you know, DP situation is, is is a problem that hasn't. It's still a problem. We're talking about it endlessly for weeks now. It's still the same problems. Um, you know, the Pizarro thing hasn't really moved. You know, we thought that he was potentially going to. Go back to Liga MX, but that hasn't materialised as of yet. Um, you know, they need something like that to happen. They just need someone to come in and, and give them a give them a spark. I know they're working hard to try and make those changes, but um, you know, it's it's for one reason or another, it's just it's been a bit slow. But give them a, give them a season for sure, and let's let's talk about it. Let's talk about it in November. Okay, and look, I found the tweet. I was spending much of the last few minutes while we were talking here looking for the tweet because it goes back to the to last Wednesday's game, and I actually just found it right before you finished talking. It was from Joseph E. Joseph Jim, and he he had said this after the game on on Wednesday against the New England Revolution. He said, "Ask Steve if he believes Phil should still have his job at least a whole season." Curious to see what his response is now. So that was the question. I finally found yes. it, um, and the short answer after all that is that Steve says. 
Yes. Okay. 100%. Let's <laughs> let's go to the Q and A portion from the last twenty four hours because we're recording this, of course, on Monday night, Monday evening. And the first one comes from Christopher Harris, and he says, "How much of an impact do you think Beckham's presence had on the Miami players Sunday night? He was watching over them like a hawk." Primo, I'll let you start there. Yeah. Um. You know. It can't, I, I think it definitely, I know, again, Tyrell cliche, we're talking about Beckham and Man United and all this kind of stuff. He is a guy that just does command respect. He's got an aura about him. Everything has gone, yeah, may, maybe maybe it did inspire them, you know, a little bit. I, I definitely think, you know, we, we were wrote a lot, didn't we, earlier in the season when Beckham was, was you know, here for, for a good chunk of the, well, in January, wasn't it, onwards up until the start of the season. And, you know, there was a kind of feel-good factor around the club and he was in and around it. So I, I think it, it helps to a, a certain degree. It may it may relax Neville a little bit as well, knowing that, that he he's there to take a little bit of pressure off his shoulders, probably. So, um, look, I don't think having Beckham in the, in the stadium is a bad thing, uh, put it that way. And, you know, he imparts his, his knowledge and his, his views to, to Phil Neville and, and the rest of the, of the backroom staff or, or whatever. And it's, you know, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a joint effort, but yeah, I think helping, having him there definitely, uh, definitely helps. Yeah. Look, it's hard to put a number on it. I think it has an impact you know, just how much of an impact is, is hard to, to say. Jorge Mas is practically at every game or is at every game as well as Jose Mas. So the, there are owners there watching the team. Players know that. So it's not like David Beckham's arrival is the first time in a while that there's been an owner in the house watching them. I think it has some impact, but I don't know if it's this very big, huge thing. You know, obviously he's the more soccer-savvy guy. He obviously knows what to maybe look for a little bit more in terms of how players move about the field, their body language, their reactions to plays that go against them, to goals, etc. So maybe it did influence the team in some way, but again, I don't think it's a whole, whole lot, all things considered. Next question comes from Jorge Medina, and he says, update on Ventura Alvarado if we sign him. Where do you think he fits? So I'll start here. Ventura Alvarado, as I had reported in recent weeks, has been trialing with Inter Miami. The Athletic reported today, Monday, that he is set to sign with the team and that an announcement could come in the next few days. Where do I think he fits? I think he's going to be a center back that can, on occasion, fill in a defensive mid. And at right back, I think, and again, this is not information I have. This is just what I think, just my opinion i think that he is cover for the future because as steve has noted multiple times on this pod since the blazement tweety blazement tweety sanctions were handed down inter miami is going to have to probably move some players on that are in the designated tam part of their roster because of the the punishments that they've been handed like i said before so I think Ventura Alvarado is cover for the future. I don't think he's a player that's going to come in and, and perform this year or that's going to, to play a big role. At least I don't think so. I think he, they're looking towards the future when they might have to get rid of someone like Alejandro gonzalez Pires or like uh, you know Nicolas Figal at the back and they have to make do with you know cheaper options that don't fit into that TAM, that TAM uh, allocation uh, designation. So that's, that's what I think they're doing, but... You know, I don't know if Steve has a different thought. I just, you know, I, yeah, they, they are they are working. Remember, it's, it's a long season. We're only sort of th- what, 13, 13 games in. Um, I haven't got the when. The, I'm not exactly sure when the transfer window closes, but it's going to be open for a while, yeah, isn't it? So, um, um, you know, they're working behind the scenes. I'm sure they need. They definitely do need to balance the books, and one of those, one or two of 
you know, Gonzalez Perez or I think Carranza we've mentioned in the past, one of those is going to have to go because they, they, they need to free up the cash out elsewhere. So, um, yeah, but it's just, it hasn't, it's been slow, isn't it? You know, there hasn't been too much, a little bit of movement, but not, not too much. And we want to see some movement involving those, those DPs, as we mentioned, because I think that will then maybe unlock something which he could then work with moving forward. So the next question comes from Jason Siegel, and he says, it was nice to see the improvement from awful to average in just five days, but it painfully obvious that Iguain doesn't have the fitness or desire to play hard. Would you continue to play him the majority of the game? Who is a suitable replacement to take on his at- attacking role? Steve, I will let you start here. I know we touched on this a little bit in an earlier segment, but what are your thoughts here? Uh, oh, God, I mean... And be- I Steve, Steve, before you... Give me your thoughts there. Jason Siegel followed up that question with an article, a link to an article that really dissects Gonzalo Higuain's walking or leisurely jog or stroll after he makes that defensive track back uh, in that first half. So there's a whole article dedicated to that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, what do you do? I I, I don't know. I, I, I do think that the... the sort of double two-pronged Iguain attack was something different. He has, has he done that before? Because I have been away the last few games, but has he, has he kind of done that? Has he, has he done that in the past? What, like a two-striker formation? Well, like he, he, both Iguain's played pretty far up. He wasn't playing 4-4-2, but Iguain no, was... It was a 4 2 Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Federico, was, they were both quite central, weren't they? Um, that was so... I mean, look. There's a is there a player in Carranza? We 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 don't really know, do we? We keep being told he's a he's a good player, but I have never ever seen it. Um, I wonder if if someone like that, Mitch Curry, he's he's doing pretty well for for the for the Fort Lauderdale. I wonder if I wonder if there's an option maybe to to bring him in. He scored a good goal the other day. Um, if, yeah, I think it could just take a little wild card like that. You know, a player that's played you know de- relatively decent level in in England. Could he could he could he cut it here? I mean, who who knows? It, it may. He may be forced to do something like that, and I'm, I'm just, I'm just spitballing. I, I don't know that for for a fact that he's even looking at him, but uh, he would have certainly been aware of, of, of what he's doing. But it, it may just take a a bit of a punt to throw someone in in there, unless you play Robbie Robinson, you know, f- further up in that role. But I, I, I think he's better out on the wing, don't you? Robbie Robinson, I think, yeah, he's better suited for the role. I think technically he's not not necessarily good enough to be in more central positions or in the final. Uh, excuse me, in, in the in the box as a striker. I just don't think he has technical abilities to make the difference on a consistent basis when spaces get tight, when center backs are marking you tight. Um, so I think on the wing where he has more space, where he can use his speed and his, his aggressiveness a little bit more to go at players one-on-one, where he's got one-on-one matchups on a more consistent basis, I think that better suits suits his qualities. As for the question, as for... What what I think Inter Miami should do with regards to Gonzalo Higuain, look, I said it before, I think this season, right now, you mostly have to keep him on the field because he gives you that quality that you don't have. Now, you know, after Wednesday's game, I was of the belief you had to bench him. I was, I said, look, he just doesn't give you enough on the defensive side. He strolls about too much to to warrant him starting on a game-in, game-out basis. But we saw a little bit more effort on that side of the ball in this last game against the Philadelphia Union. So, if he can give you that and still try to provide you those assists or the occasional goal here or there, then obviously it's not ideal. You want a player that can run 
both ways and can do so for much of the 90 minutes. But if he can give you 60 doing doing what he's got right now, I, I think that's probably Inter Miami's best shot with what they have on this roster. If if you were to replace him, who do you put up top? I mean, next next man up would be Julian Carranza. That's just that's just the next player. I know I've seen some people say, oh, put Robbie Robinson in the middle and, and you know put Indiana Vasilev out wide or somebody else out wide. But again, I think Robbie Robinson's best games in an Inter-Miami jersey have come with him playing out on the wing this season as opposed to last year when he was playing mostly as a striker and showed some moments. But again, I don't think he has the technical abilities uh, under tight marking to really consistently make a difference in that in that position. Next question comes from Elder Bar. He's got two. Will Matuidi and the Iguayans retire at the end of the season? Oh, and how long is Phil's contract for again? Steve, which one? Do you want to do you want to divvy those up? You want to tackle one and not the other, or do you want to tackle two them both? Two years, isn't it? Sorry, two year, two year contract, isn't it? I'm blanking on the details. I thought it was I think maybe so. I three, think but two maybe years. it's two. Two, I think. Uh, I think uh, two rings a bell. Um, I mean, Iguain's contract. I get Iguain's contract. I don't know if that off the top of my head. I mean, it'll be you know. I think I they're think, both here yeah. through next season. I think they're here through the twenty twenty two season. I don't think that their their season, excuse me, their contracts expire this year. But the question is, will they retire? <sighs> I mean, good question. <laughs> we don't we don't know. Um, but uh, I, I would have thought you know this season has been pretty galling, or this whole experience has been pretty galling for from Gonzalo Higuain, considering everything that now that he's gone through. Remember, he missed that. He missed the playoff match because of COVID. And then, mm-hmm. you know, what's happened this season would certainly dented his pride. The fact of called his fitness into question, rightly so as well. Um, I think, you know, they. I think the club would take that now, wouldn't they? If he said, look, I'm going to quit at the end of the season. I think that would be a, a hallelujah moment where they could definitely <laughs> free up those ones we've, we've talked about. And not to say that he's not an awful player because he is a good player, but I, just, I don't know. I just don't know if, if that's what they need right now, do you know what I mean? It's like, wouldn't you rather have a Carlos Vela than than a Gonzalo Higuain right now? I think you know he's a younger, fitter version. I guess I'm I'm not sure, but I, I don't think Higuain's the answer right now. So, I'll answer the the first question, which is: Will Matuidi and the Higuains retire at the end of the season? I think the player out of those three that's most likely to retire, if any of them are to retire, it's Federico Higuain. I think it would be him. Then, if you ask me for like a you know likely to retire death chart, I would say Blaise Matuidi next, and then Gonzalo Higuain last out of those three. Now, Blaise Matuidi, he was dropped from the lineup in this one. We haven't talked about that specifically, but from what I've seen from him this season, and even dating back to last year, he looks like he's a player that's just not all that interested in continuing to bust his tail in the 90 minutes. Doesn't show that urgency, doesn't show that willingness to, to be uh, concentrated for 90 minutes like you need to. And going back to Gonzalo Higuain, especially with the money he's on, I don't think he retires. Why would he retire? He's getting he's getting paid handsomely. He has a deal through next year, if I'm not mistaken. So why, why would he give that up? He's not going to retire. And look, something else I'll add on Gonzalo Higuain. I think what's impacted him, and it's something he even said a few weeks ago when he had the, the cigarette quote, and you know that 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 made the news or made the rounds. MLS is a very physical league. If you had to describe Major League Soccer to somebody in a different part of the world that follows soccer, that follows football, you would by and large say that it's a very physical 
or physically demanding league. You need to be in a very good condition physically. It's a league that emphasizes more of the athleticism part of soccer. You don't necessarily see a lot of teams that play from back to front in a very attractive manner on a regular basis. It's a league that has a lot of back and forth, not necessarily very good technical qualities. Now, are there good technical players in the league? Absolutely. But by and large, teams are not very technical. It's a team, excuse me, it's a league that has that has an emphasis more on the athletic side than the technical side. And I think that is part of the reason why Gonzalo Higuain is struggling because technically he's pretty good. His soccer IQ is pretty good, but physically, physically it's where he is struggling at this point in his career. And I think that's the big reason why he's having troubles uh, on a consistent basis being able to perform. So Next question comes from Twitter, and it says, The Miami Herald reported Matuidi left the stadium at halftime during the 5-0 loss to New England. I had seen rumors it was to go hang out with Pogba. If this is true, I'd rather his minutes go to a Fort Lauderdale CF player who wants to actually play. Worst signing, and it's not even close despite the low bar. Steve? It's not really a question. It's more of a comment. What are your thoughts on that? I have I hadn't seen that from the Miami Herald. I didn't see that report. But what do, no. you know? What do you think? What do you think about? Hard that? to argue with. Really, hasn't hasn't been great, has he? Really, considering the the amount of money that we now found out that he was been paid and the trouble that his signing has caused, not, not hasn't proved proven a good investment, has it? Really, you haven't. It's not not value for money. His legs seem to have gone. It's just yeah. It. It hasn't it hasn't worked out for one reason or another. But look, if that's the case, why did he dress this weekend? I would imagine if he left the game at halftime, that Phil Neville would punish him and not even have him in the eighteen. That's what I would imagine. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe him being benched was punishment enough. I don't know. He didn't play in this one, but he was in the match day roster. I would just imagine that if he left the stadium altogether, that you know, that he would he would be punished severely. Now, if he was still in the stadium, because Pogba was in the stadium, and I think he was in a suite, if he went to just go sit with him as opposed to the team, maybe you have a talk with him as opposed to, you know, punishing him out outright and maybe, you know, banning him from a game or suspending him from a game. But I think it just, again, shows that Blaise Matuidi is not fully bought in. I think he's at the point in his career where he feels like he's accomplished enough and he's just coasting to the finish line of what his, his successful career has been. Two more questions, Steve. Or actually, sorry, one more question. It's from Sal Paradise. How well do you think Kieran Gibbs performed and do you see him as the starter from here on out? Yeah, um, I think he gives him a, a good option. He's, he's good on the ball. Uh, he gets up and up and down the, the, the wings. Um, yeah, I thought I think he, he looked okay. And I would have thought he, he, he would be a starter considering, the, again, um, uh, he's probably a better option than McCoon right now, don't you think? Look, I think he's a better option. I think he's the best option this team has. But I think... He still needs to get to full fitness. You saw that five minutes into the second half when he made a forward run and then he, you know, kind of passed the end line. He kind of made a gesture where he was tired. And after that, Phil Neville put in Breck Shea for Kieran Gibbs. Kieran Gibbs hasn't played much since January. This is only his second game since then. So I think it's going to take time. Do I think he starts this weekend? Yes. Do I think he starts when there's three games in one week? Does, is he an every game starter then? Which, which will happen in a matter of a few weeks again. No, I do not. I think they're going to want to slowly work his, him to full fitness and up his workload. I don't think they want to give him too much too soon, even given the current situation the team is in, the dire situation the team is in, because you can risk injury or you know mental fatigue and in games that can cost you lapses in concentration that equal 
to chances or goals. So I don't think he will be the every game starter, but I do think he is the number one choice at left back at this point. Steve, that does it for the Q&A session. Let's get our final thoughts in and we'll wrap up the pod after that. Yeah, look, um, it was a decent result, a better performance. Uh, It just helped the confidence a little bit. It shattered confidence after what happened against New England. So um, again, let's just see where they're at when they play again. Um, But yeah, looks better. But, you know, even Phil Neville admitted that it's only a very, very small baby step. It's still a a lot of work to do, but... Maybe not all hope is lost. My final thought is it's a shame. It's a shame that Chris Henderson is not going to have the full ability to show off the job he can do over the next two seasons. Because his first big signing for this franchise was Gregory. And Gregory has proven to be a standout player for Inter-Miami in the short amount of time. And he's become the captain. And he, again, showed it this weekend how much of an impact and influence he can have on proceedings. I think if Chris Henderson had the full ability to do his job over the next two years, which he won't because of the Matuidi sanctions, I think this team could have become a very competitive team. That's not to say that they can't, even with the sanctions they have. But obviously it limits his ability to do to do his role as sporting director. I think if the sanctions had never come, I think you would have seen players maybe in different positions, but of a caliber or even better of Gregory. And I think that would have obviously made the team a whole lot better because that's how good Chris Henderson is at his job. It's been known in the league for a long time that he's one of the best at what he does. So Gregory is an example of that. Shame we won't get to see a whole lot more of that over the next couple of years and that it'll take until 2024 for Chris Henderson to again have you know a, a full slate but look if there's any reason that you're looking for for optimism it's that Chris Henderson does do a good job he can find very good players with what he has to work with so Henderson is off to a good start as sporting director in my opinion but that does it for this week's show Thank you so much again for listening. Thank you, El Primo, for returning back to his casa. He It almost felt like he was neglecting us there for a little bit, but he's back. Never, never, never. <laughs> he was just, in, he was just in, a, in a dark place after England lost that final. Mm-hmm. But as always, please give us a follow on all our social media channels. We really appreciate it, and it helps us bring you this type of content on a regular basis. We'll be back next week, early next week, to review and recap the Inter-Miami game against CF Montreal. For Steve Brenner, I am Franco Penizo. This is Miami Total Football Radio, and we'll talk to you guys again very, very soon.